Hi, you're listening to Living Life on Purpose, and I'm your host, Matt Wilson. The goal of this show is for us to sit down with successful people who also live a life of purpose. We want you to hear their stories, understand that they've had to overcome adversity, how their faith has played a role, and ultimately we want you to be encouraged by the things that you hear so that you can walk through similar situations. We hope you enjoy. Today on the show, we have Dr. Hermoz Shariat. Dr. Shariat grew up in Iran in a Muslim home and became a follower of Jesus in 1980 after a comparative study of the Bible and Quran. He has a PhD in artificial intelligence from the University of Southern California and a Bachelor of Arts degree in Bible and theology from Jessup University. In 1987, he planted a church in San Jose, California with hundreds of Muslim converts. It still remains one of the largest churches of its kind in the U.S. In 2000, Dr. Shariat followed the Lord's leading and founded Iran Alive Ministries, which utilizes satellite TV to reach the millions of lost and broken people in Iran and the rest of the Middle East. They broadcast the gospel 24-7 from their studio in Dallas to Iran and the Middle East, trusting the Lord to use them to transform an Islamic nation, which is responding to the gospel unlike any other time in history. Dr. Shariat, it is an honor to have you here today. Oh, thank you so much, Matthew, for inviting me to share what God is doing. It's really exciting to uh, to hear your background and how, how do you go from artificial intelligence into the ministry that you're in now? Well, it's more exciting than doing research on AI. Uh, you work with people. I will say that working on AI, you you program a computer, you work uh you know, six months doing a computer program and it will do what it, you tell them to do. But with people, you work with them for six years and they do what they like to do. <laughs> <laughs> or longer. Or longer, that's right. So it's more exciting. Well, that's good. And it, it is completely different. You know, when you know with artificial intelligence, essentially not only are you programming it to do what you wanted to do, but also to think and and do uh, anticipate what you're going to do in the future. So it's uh, it is a lot easier to control that than it is to uh, to deal with people. So I applaud you for making that decision to go in a different <laughs> direction. So from that standpoint, you actually got involved with a lot of the things that you're doing. It was birthed out of tragedy. You lost your brother. Tell us a little bit about that and and how that kind of forced the transition. Yeah, it it happened gradually. I was a new believer. I I came to the United States as a PhD student, and Revolution of Iran had just happened, and I wanted to dedicate my life to serving Islam. But I said I need to know it more. Even though I was grew uh, grew as a Muslim and I knew a lot about Islam, I said, but if I want to dedicate my life, I need to study it harder. So I got a Quran and uh, went through it. It didn't really satisfy my soul. I got a Bible, start, uh, started reading the Bible, comparing it. And after a few months, I realized both are not the same. As an intellectual, I always thought all religions are the same. And why do they fight about religion? Because if you really study them, they're basically the same. But the more I compared Bible and Quran, I realized both cannot be true. Uh, after a few months of comparing, I realized the message of the gospel is so simple. It's so simple a child can understand that uh, God created and loves you. You cannot reach him because he's holy and you're not. And because he loves you, he came after you. He, he sent after you. So that made sense. And one day I, pr- I prayed and my life was totally transformed. And I felt 
It is selfish if I keep this message to myself. This is a powerful message, simple but powerful. Changed my life, healed my marriage. I saw it has a power to change nations. So I started sharing the gospel. Now, going back to my brother, I was a new believer sharing the gospel. I was asking God, I, I, I want my family to come to Christ. Then they arrest my younger brother, 16 years old, on minor political charges. Not a Christian yet. None of my family members were Christians at that time. Now there are many who are. And I went, I said, God, save my my brother. Save my brother. He, he needs to hear the gospel. So uh, two years they kept him in jail. They told my mom every time, oh, we're going to uh, let him go very soon. He's doing fine. He's doing fine. But when he turned 18, they called my mom and said, we just shot him. Come and get his body. And when my mom went to pick up, uh, his body, they charged my mother for the bullets for the cost of killing her son, which she had to pay. Uh, so when I heard that, I went through kind of a crisis. God, what is this? Of course, I was mourning in a matter of two days. I was just grieving, staying home, grieving. And I asked God, as a Christian, what am I supposed to do? This There's injustice in this world. Um, first, I felt like revenge. God, I'm going to take revenge. Those who killed my brother, I'm going to do something. Uh, to them. And I realized, no, 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 that's not Christianity. God says, revenge is mine. Oh, I'm sorry, God. Okay. Um, I, I hate him. <laughs> I hate him. Oh, yeah. I just read in the Bible, you you have to even love your enemies. Okay. I'm sorry, God. But I'm really angry. I'm angry. Oh, yeah. Sermon on the Mount. If you're angry in your heart, you already killed that person in your heart. I'm not supposed to be even angry. What kind of religion is this? I'm, I see injustice and I cannot do anything. Uh, God, can I at least curse and cuss a little bit so I can feel better? Oh, yeah. I cannot even do that because I worship with my mouth. I cannot use those words. So I said, God, what can I do? And in a matter of two days, I felt this very strongly. God telling to my heart that, those who killed your brother are not your enemies. They are victims in the hands of enemies. And the, there is only one enemy, that's Satan. And God loves the whole uh, the world and he hates the world. God wants to save. He wants to destroy. So I said, okay, I won't hate them because I have mercy on them because they're victims. Now, what, what, God, what can I do now about the injustice in the world? And you know what I felt? He said, the best way to hurt the enemy, which is Satan, is to evangelize, share the gospel. Because when one person comes to Christ, we know there is rejoicing, there is party in heaven, and probably there is mourning and in the courts of hell and, and Satan. So I said, okay, I will do that. Even though it's hard for me, I'm an introvert, a book nerd kind of person, I'm more comfortable with books than people, but okay, God, I will do it. But then I, I said, God, if you want to use my life for evangelism, would you use my life to bring one million Muslims to Christ? I did not know what I was talking about. I had no idea how it's going to come to pass. But God opened satellite television. Oh, my gosh. The last 20 years, thousands and thousands. Every month we have records of thousands of people every month who are making that decision for Christ. Wow. That is amazing. And so you have been known as the Billy Graham of Iran. That's pretty uh, pretty incredible. Well, Tell I don't know myself that. Billy Graham of Iran, but Joel Rosenberg, the author, well-known author, he calls me. He, he knows a lot about our ministry and what's going on in Iran. He calls me Billy Graham. And my answer is, it's not a big deal, Joel. 
uh, Iran, Iranians are so open. Anybody can be Billy Graham of Iran. Just share the gospel. God has opened the hearts of millions of Iranians to the gospel. Just share the good news. The Lord will do the rest. Wow, that's really exciting. Now you've got to have the willingness and you've got to have the courage to do that because it takes courage to go into a Muslim nation. And, you know, again, after you've seen what they've done to your brother to continue to say, all right, I'm going to follow God no matter what, because I believe his word so strongly because you had had that heart transformation. You had seen your life change because of that relationship that you had grown with him. But a lot of people they uh, they get that call or or they say, well, that would be fun to do. But when the rubber meets the road, they still uh, relent or they they turn back and they're not willing to be obedient. So I do think that it takes a, a special person to to truly follow all that he's called them to do. Well, I get life threats, but it's nothing compared to the bravery of young people I see in Iran when they come to Christ. And uh, uh, the life change is so dramatic. Uh, it's it's worth it. Uh, you know, it's some missionaries go into hard places. They spend 30, 40 years of their life uh, for a handful of converts. That's not the case. Iran is open. I see life changes every day. It's so exciting. And by the way, God, Jesus himself is appearing personally in visions and dreams to so many of them. That makes it exciting. We have God on our side, and where we cannot go, he goes first and opens and prepares the hearts. And, uh, and we, we do a 24-7 satellite broadcast. We broadcast, we go over the heads of the mullahs into people's homes. They cannot stop the signal. It's coming from the sky in the privacy of their homes, and the people are open. They are done with Islam. Not many people know Iranians have rejected Islam it's going to be the first Islamic nation that turns to Christ. Mark my word. It's already happening, actually. I'm not prophesying. I'm reporting. Wow. That is amazing. And and I do think that it's just a testament of how much God loves us so much that not only did he send Jesus to die, but he is reaching those people through those dreams and visions. And I've heard a lot of those testimonies from people who have gone over to the Middle East to share the gospel and the, the people... Like, I've already seen Jesus in a dream. I've already seen him in a vision. I want to know him now. Tell me about him. And that that is kind of, uh, you know, right for the picking right there. So that's happening a lot. It's happening a lot. Asian dreams, miracles. The Muslims believe Jesus is a miracle worker. So they have that faith. And he does it according to their faith. He does healings. Uh, let, let me share you this this story. I think it wraps up kind of nicely what God is doing. Um, I, you know, we do live broadcasts and people interact with us, call us. So it was a live broadcast. And this man called and I, I'm trying to imitate him. Uh, he, he called to report that he got healing, but he had no emotions, monotone voice. So this is what he said. Pastor Ormos, I had a liver problem three months ago. I called you. You prayed for my liver. My liver was healed. I went to my doctor. He said, you don't need surgery. You don't even need medicine. You're totally healed. So I hear that. Oh, hallelujah. On my side. I praise God. Jesus heals. Jesus heals. Then he continued. And then I had a friend with cancer. I prayed for his cancer in Jesus' name. 
and his cancer was healed. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus heals cancers. I mean, I was excited, but he was not, just monotone. Then he said, one of my relatives, she had a tumor in her brain, and I prayed in Jesus' name for her tumor, and the tumor was gone. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus heals tumors. So after a few minutes of him giving testimony, no emotions, monotone, and I getting excited, he got frustrated with me, Matthew. He said, Pastor Hormoz, why are you so excited? Have you read your Bible? <laughs> I mean, I got, I got rebuked because they say it's in the Bible. It must happen. And it does happen. So Jesus has special grace for Muslims these days. Sometimes I think if you want to see uh, Jesus these days, you've got to be a Muslim. You have a better chance of seeing him. <laughs> well, I, I do think that there is like that pure understanding and that, that pure faith where I've read it. I believe it. I know what it says. Why shouldn't I expect to see those things take place? And I think that that is a beautiful thing when people go into countries where it's not just everywhere. Like I, I live in the South in the United States, in Birmingham, Alabama. It's one of the most churched places in the world. And people don't expect to see the miracles. Number one, a lot of them haven't read the word. Number two, a lot of them don't believe what the word says. Number three, there hasn't been a lot of demonstration. I see miracles healings, all kinds of incredible things on a weekly basis now, because I continue to pray and believe that God is going to do what he says he's going to do because it is in his word. So I'm like your friend. I, I just expect it because I know what he says. It is sad that, that sometimes you do have to go to a foreign country in order to see that level of belief, because here it's so readily available that people take it for granted. And they they don't expect it anymore, and that that is sad. Yeah. So so from that standpoint, what do you do here to encourage people? You know, obviously you share testimonies about faith, but but how do you encourage people here that are believers to see that same level of of you know miraculous uh, testimony in the United States? Well, I understand. I don't condemn our uh, people, uh, the Americans who are Christians. I encourage them, encourage them, don't compare. The, the, the amount of grace is different. God is sovereign. So our job is to have faith, but he's also sovereign. I know I'm a, I was a pastor, both uh, an Iranian church in America. I planted several churches in California. And at the same time, I was reaching out to, I am reaching out to people inside the country. And I see two different results. It's the same pastor, same message. I rarely see a miracle in our church in America, even though those are Muslim background believers. So on our part, we have to believe on his part, he's, he decides. So right now he's a special grace among Muslims and Iranians. And and uh, even after they come to Christ, the, the grace on them in under persecution, the courage they have, uh, the commitment they have, uh, they have not nothing. They have nothing except Jesus. Uh, and that's one reason, uh, Matthew. I don't, I don't condemn our brothers and sisters. Especially, I actually, I, I tell those who are walking with God in the West, tr truly walking with God and being a disciple. I tell them, you have decided to do that. In America, you have to decide to be a disciple. You have to decide. Yeah, even if you don't read your Bible, nothing happens. If you don't go to church, you're not going to die. I mean, but uh, for them, is life and death to to be so committed to the Lord. So I value our brothers and sisters in the West who have decided, it's a decision 
to commit their lives to the Lord, to walk with God, to read the word and believe it and obey it. That's so valuable. For them, it's not that it's not valuable, but they have no other choice. Yeah, it's it's definitely once they make that decision, there's no turning back. Here, you know, it it's really if you feel like it, you do it. If you want to go to church, you do it. If you don't, doesn't really matter. I think again, it it matters if you know what the word says. But if you're just a casual attender of church, then hey, it might help you live a better life uh, on the surface. But it's it's all the more exciting when I meet a fellow disciple here in the United States because I know the a follower of Jesus versus a believer in Jesus. The devil believes. But a follower of Jesus will not only hear the things that he's called them to do, but they will walk in those things and see the incredible things that that he's still trying to do on this earth. He never got out of the miracle business. He's looking for people to partner with, but but they've got to be just crazy enough to believe what he says. And that's when it gets really exciting. So from that standpoint, you have written a book, uh, Iran's Great Awakening. Tell us about that. Yes, it's a recent book. Uh, uh, Iran's Great Awakening is available everywhere you go, Amazon or not, or you can uh, contact us and we will send you a copy for any amount of donation. But uh, the first part is my spiritual journey. And the second part is this very careful study of Bible prophecies about Iran. Iran is mentioned in, in the Bible a lot. Persia, under the name of Persia, and under the name of Elam. Both are inside Iran today. So that's that's a second part. I didn't want to force prophecies to, you know, force it to talk about Iran. But if you do a really open study, you realize God has a grace on Iran. And it promised, just to give you a a taste of it, in Genesis 12, God says to Abraham, I will uh, bless those who uh, bless your children and curse those who curse your children. But the blessing part, did you know the only nation in the Bible who qualifies for that verse is Persia? Persia clearly, in according to the Bible, was the only nation that blessed the Jews. Set Cyrus set the captives free, and not only set them free, gave them money to go and build your temple. So there is a special grace for, for Iran and prophecies about Iran. So the second part of the book is a prophecy. The third part is a strategy. How do we go from here? How do we make this happen? How, how do I see Iran going from an Islamic nation to become a Christian nation? Which I believe that's what Jeremiah 49, 38 says when God says, I will set my throne in Elam. What does that mean? It means it will be a nation that loves Jesus, worships him and obeys him. So you can call it a Christian nation. There hasn't ever been a Christian nation. So we don't have a model yet, but that's an end time prophecy. But Iran is moving in that direction to be a, a nation that Jesus says, I am ruling here. I am the king here. And it's happening fast. Iranians have rejected Islam. Uh, you know, one sentence I used to say, and people uh, the last few years said, no, Hormuz, wait, wait, you're, you're exaggerating. You're lying. You know what the sentence is? Is Iran is no longer an Islamic nation. I did not have a proof. It was a gut feeling. But now I have a proof. A recent study came out by, done by two non-Christian university professors. They surveyed over 50,000 Iranians about their faith. What do you believe? 
and they published their result a few months ago. And it, it says this, less than one third of Iranians in that survey said, we believe in Islam. Can you believe it? Less than, you, you Google it, it's 98% Muslim, but uh, the recent survey, less than one third, 32 point some percent. Another one third said, we don't believe in God or God has no role in my life. That's not important. And the third one third, they are looking everywhere. They're looking at Eastern religion. They're looking at Christianity everywhere except Islam. So this is the spiritual climate of Iran, rejection of Islam, and whoever gets to them gets their heart. They're looking. So it is our job as Christians to present the beautiful message of the gospel to them. If we don't, there are others who are reaching out to them. That's really good. And I've got several friends that are Iranian that that live here and they were raised in Muslim homes, but they have converted to Christianity. And and it is amazing. They're deeply spiritual to begin with. But then once they realize that, oh, there's there's Jesus and there's grace and there's love, you know, it's it's so much more accepting. So it's it is really exciting to see that and and then to hear the testimony that these things are taking place because the world doesn't want people to hear good news. And, and you know, if they can continue to, the devil's a liar. So if he can continue to push this narrative that that, that is the stronghold there and it cannot be broken, then he wants people to just give up. But when people hear that this is actually already taking place, that's extremely encouraging and, and it should give people hope that as bad as people say, the world continues to get. The Christianity is growing mostly everywhere but the United States. I mean, it's it's growing all over. It's just shrinking here because we've got so many options. But that is really exciting. So from that standpoint, what are your thoughts on all of the things that are going on right now, not only in the Middle East? And you've talked about what's what's going on in Iran, but uh, what's going on with uh, Israel and, and the persecution, the increased persecution that they're facing on all sides, especially when it goes to end time biblical prophecy. What are your thoughts on all that? Uh, yeah, uh, what's happening in uh, Israel and Palestine uh, today, of course, the government of Iran is supporting Palestine by providing them finances. The missiles, many of those were built in Iran or financed by Iran. And uh, so the government of Iran wants to wipe Israel off the map. That's Ezekiel 38 is coming to pass. And there are two sets of prophecies in the Bible look contradictory, but both are happening today. One, Ezekiel 38, those nations uniting against Israel. And then Jeremiah 49 talks about salvation of Iran. And both of them are happening. Ezekiel 38 is by the government of Iran. They are developing nuclear bomb, and sometimes they're not shy to say, some of the clergy not shy to say, once we have the bomb, we're going to try it on Israel first. So Israel has those enemies. But uh, talking about uh, prophecy, I, I know we don't have time to go to details, but let me tell you this. You look at the list of the nations in Ezekiel 38. If you see the nations that will unite and attack Israel, this list has been being modified the last 20 years, 40 years. And the more that things happen, this list become what uh, it becomes according to what actually is. For example, the question has been in the past, why in that list of nations that attack Israel, why isn't Egypt there? Why isn't it Lebanon there? What, what Saudi Arabia, what is not Arab countries there? 
all around who will attack Israel. And we know just last year, the la- you know, uh, under Trump's uh, uh, administration, many Arab nations made peace with with Israel, but not Iran. Iran is still an arch enemy, the, the government of Iran, arch enemy of Israel. So we see the prophecies gradually be uh, the countries being aligned for the prophecy of Ezekiel 38 happening. And uh, you see just the last few weeks, Russia, uh, Putin um, visited uh, Erdogan in Turkey. They, they had a meeting. They are getting close. That's according to the prophecies that they are going to unite and these nations will unite and attack attack Israel. But this uh, Palestine, the government of Iran is for it. The people of Iran are telling their government, why do you spend our money on them? We are starving. We are miserable. And you put your money to kill Jews. And uh, Iranians are saying, see, it's funny, such a disconnect between the government and the people of Iran. When the government say death to Israel and uh, uh, we want to wipe Israel off the map, you know what the people are saying? They, the people say, if our government is against them, they must be good people. Because they don't trust their own government. And some of them have been saying, I've read in that they're, they're telling the government, tell us again, why should we hate the Jews? What have they done to us? They haven't done anything to us. You have ruined our life. You have made us miserable. They haven't done anything against us. So we don't hate them. We hate you. We want. They don't want to fight against the Jews. We want to fight against you. So that's a growing um feeling and growing mindset among Iranians right now. Wow. That's the way I feel about our government. You know, the more they tell me that I shouldn't be doing something, the more I think that's probably good for me. <laughs> uh, if you're telling me that uh, this is the way I ought to live, I probably ought to do the opposite. So I definitely understand that. So from that standpoint, how can people learn more about your ministry? How can they learn more about the book? How can they learn more about you? I appreciate that. I will. I want to encourage people to first to get to know God is doing something historical. This is history in the making. Iran will be first Islamic nation that comes to Christ and it's going to impact the whole world. You want to be at the frontier of mission? Come serve the Lord with us among Iranians. And by serving, I, I mean just praying, but not just supporting, which I of course I appreciate. But we are broadcasting 24-7. So you can be a partner with us. I have, we have some good partners like Michael Youssef, you know, Jack Graham and R.C. Sproul. You know, we have good teachers, but it's 24-7 and people are hungry. So I encourage you to join us even in the serving the nation, discipling the nation. Now to know more about us, the easiest way is to text a word to a number. I send you several links. Uh, you can order the book. You can know more about us. This is how easy it is. Just uh, text to the number 50700-5700. Instead of putting somebody's phone number, just put 50700. And then the word you text is IRAM, Iran. And I sent you several links. You can know more about us. You can order the book. Uh, you can get the book uh, with any amount of donations. And by the way, I've dedicated the book to the ministry. I don't get anything anything, uh, anytime the book is sold, it goes for the ministry. That's awesome. And so are you talking about Dr. Youssef with Church of the Apostles in Atlanta? Yes, yes. He wow. is so well known and loved uh, by Iranians. He's a great uh, preacher. And see the supernatural. When I talk about Christian Christian television, people 
have the different mindset. They think it's a it's American uh, style. No, it, this is lifeline for them. I, people sitting down and taking notes and doing what it says, and and their lives are are changed. So I've been to Church of the Apostles in Atlanta. I grew up in Atlanta, and oh. and I actually went to high school with his son Josh. Oh, and uh, so it's such a small world that I grew up with him, and it's uh, I mean I always knew that he was doing stuff all around the world, but but that is just an incredibly small world. Amen, amen. He is a great guy, heart for nations, and I invite those who want to be a pioneer in the missions. Iran is at front line, and we are winning. <laughs> That's exciting. Well, I definitely appreciate you being here with us today. It's been an honor to have you. And I know that the, the viewers have been encouraged. I know I've been encouraged. But if you have enjoyed this, if you would like and share on Facebook, you can follow us Living Life on Purpose. And then also on Instagram, Living Life on Purpose Always. We hope that you will comment and, and also encourage other people by sharing this podcast episode. We hope you'll join us again in a couple of weeks. And thanks for joining us today. 